Okay, speaking of looking in at the camera, uh, I believe we are live on uh, the YouTubes and the Facebooks and all throughout the Reinventing Network. Um, if it is working for you, we've got uh, a little bit of an introduction to the Reinventing the Tattoo Network and the Tattoo Now Show. Thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is the Tattoo Now Show, it happens every Wednesday at noon. We have a very special guest, uh, Carrie Barba, who is a a living legend. I don't know. I, 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 all the praise, I don't want to embarrass her too much, but she deserves uh, every bit of it and then more. And so, yeah. So if you love tattoos, if you love the history of tattoos, uh, if you're just getting into tattoos and you're sick of people telling you that you're not quite sure who is who or whatever, then this would be a great time to tag them or share this around. And um, I'm going to go to my scripts. Well, luckily, thank, thanks to, uh, to uh, Lauren, Sandy, and the rest of the Reinventing crew and Kyle, uh, they are actually in the background making sure that this is all working. Um, okay, so this is the uh, Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all encouraged to join in these live streams, um, the real world events, to, to share with each other, to inspire each other, and ultimately to create better tattoos and art together. We're beaming out nearly every single day uh, and with all of your help, have actually evolved into a you know, quality network of amazing live and on-demand art shows, um, kind of like the TV tattoo network that we want. Um, okay, so you could always go to www.reinventingthetattoo.com. It'll have the schedule. It'll have the links out to the appropriate apps. Uh, we do always have an app in the App Store, Reinventing the Tattoo. And... Um, yeah, like I said, if you want to keep up on the latest and greatest, uh, send us in your emails. Uh, we have a, a wide variety of shows. We have our art jams, uh, drawing groups where artists are encouraged to zoom in multiple times a, a week. Those are, are free. We have interviews like this. We have discussion panels, webinars. Seriously, it's, it's kind of crazy. And if you're up at two o'clock in the morning and aren't sure what to watch, you could just go to reinventing247.com. And there is... I think there's at any given moment five replays going on, including one in Spanish. Um, if you are uh, recommending this to one of your friends because you're digging it, or if you want to put it on in the drawing room of your tattoo shop, well, again, just reinventing 24-7 is, is a great way to, uh, uh, to introduce people to what we have going on here. Uh, if you are a tattooer and you go to reinventing247.com, then scroll down and there's a form where you fill out your studio address uh, probably a couple of questions, and we'll send you out the soon-to-be-famous Reinventing the Tattoo sample pack. It includes uh, sample inks from raw pigments, uh, Cheyenne cartridges, I believe dermalized packages, depending on when you're watching this, who knows. Um, but like I said, Reinventing 24-7, scroll down. You need to have a studio address because these are actual tattoo supplies. Okay, some weekly shows that we have. Um, every week, and until we make this its own little video, I'm just going to blast it out to you. All of these times are in Eastern Standard, and here we go. Uh, Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard is a Reinventing Drawing Group with Jason Leeser. That means that if you are an artist drawing on Sunday afternoons, if you're in Eastern or Sunday mornings, if you're in California, Sunday evenings, if you're over in Europe or late night. Anyways, point being is you can beam in and then draw. It's always a great group of people. Uh, we do the same thing on Mondays. Uh, nine o'clock in the morning, it's the early bird drawing group. Uh, Keir Franklin hosts that one. Uh, at 11 o'clock on Mondays, we have the Tattoo Weekly. Uh, Lauren Gregory, um, 
uh, Jake Meeks and I uh, uh, relive, uh, relive, wow, that, that sounds horrible. We, we get to highlight some of the previous week's uh, shows. We talk about some of the things that are coming up. We talk about news. We do some interviews with people. It's pretty fun. That's every Monday at 11 in the morning. Mondays at nine o'clock at night are the subscribers exercises with Guy Aitchison. And uh, the reinventing the tattoo canon is, you know, so, so much more than just an online course or, or a set of online courses. Every Monday, the guy is leading a specific exercise. Uh, often they're building off of each other. So four weeks in a row, uh, the, the, the subject will kind of increase in, in intensity. And point is, if you are a tattooer uh, of any skill level, really, you should be getting one of these subscriptions and beaming in Monday at nine. Uh, apprentices too, again, it helps you uh, fine tune your artwork specifically for tattooing and guys helped I don't know, countless uh, tattooers, it's out of control. Anyways, okay, so Monday at 9, this is a schedule, this isn't the pitch, sorry. Mondays at, uh, that's that's the Monday schedule. Tuesdays at 10 a.m., uh, a drawing group with Ricardo. Uh, Feelings is uh, the name of that one. Uh, Wednesdays at 12 noon is the Tattoo Now show. Hey, that's the show. Uh, Thursdays, 10 a.m. is a subscriber's uh, fundamental exercise with Cure. All skill levels are encouraged. This is where if you're an apprentice that's subscribing, then that is the perfect time for you to kind of beam in if you're intimidated to beam in on the Mondays. And then Thursdays, 12 noon, the Tattoo Collecting Podcast, where Fawn Baker and Jordan Rukis interview tattoo collectors. It's pretty awesome. So if you are interested in hearing about tattoo collecting from people who have already made all the mistakes and lasered it and then covered it and then lasered it, that's a great show to, to listen to. Um, let's see, special upcoming events. Uh, got a couple more minutes. Last chance to, to share it around with your friends before we really dig in. Uh, February 5th and 6th is a Reinventing the Tattoo Live from Red Tree uh, Tattoo, uh, ta uh, also the True Tubes Tattoo Supply Warehouse. This is a hybrid virtual in-person event. So tickets, there are a limited amount of tickets in person. The, the stage will be going for two days. This is a, like a little mini convention, a uh, very, very, very mini convention. And um, there'll be like four or five booths of, uh, you know, uh, well, you could look, check out the, the lineup yourself. It's reinventingthetattoo.com slash live. Uh, let's see, Nick Baxter is gonna be beaming in from Austin, Texas, but he'll be doing a special seminar about uh, advanced layering techniques. Bob Tyrell will be doing a, uh, a black and gray skull from start to last call. Uh, don't take that class if you're not prepared for the full experience. It's awesome. It's only hundred bucks. Um, anyways, yeah, like I said, reinventing the tattoo live, you can beam in uh, and you actually can uh, get limited tickets in person if you want to. Uh, let's see, April 11th to the 14th is inspiring tours. The first stop is in New Hampshire. These are very small events. We've got five tickets uh, for a bed and breakfast up in New Hampshire, Sean Barber, and Nick Baxter will be painting and tattooing. They'll, they'll both be doing um, their seminars, their painting seminars. Nick will be outdoors one day and then Sean will be indoor doing um, still life. And then they'll be doing a collaborative tattoo. The, uh, the actual inspiring tour is all booked up. The, the, the five spots I went in like two days, maybe three days. But if you're interested in getting a collaborative tattoo from them, then um, in April, then that is, uh, yeah, I believe they haven't booked it yet. So you can either reach out to either of them uh, directly or just get in touch with me, uh, Gabe at tattoonow.com. Anyways, uh, inspiring.tours to get on the wait list for the next one that's either New Hampshire or I don't know, we want to go to New Mexico and back to Italy and travel around someday when <laughs> the world kind of gets back to normal. 
Um, in the meantime, we'll keep doing these things virtually. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Okay, May 20th, 22nd, hellcity.com in Columbus. We are planning on being there with a, a, a full curriculum and tattoo, tattoo booths and all that. July 29th to the 31st, Rubber City Tattoo Invitational, Akron, Ohio, Tony Urbanic. And then October 20th to the 23rd, we are returning to Jimmy Peak. We did a BYOB last year, and we will at least do a BYOB this year, if not a full uh, tattoo gathering. Last but not least, these are our sponsors, the businesses and tattoo shops that make all these streams possible by actually spending some dough to support it because all the technology is not uh, free. Anyways, so our sponsors uh, include uh, Interstate Inc. LA uh, on Instagram, at Interstate Inc. LA. You might know Church from his uh, awesome realistic uh, sneakers. I think his uh, videos, interviews, kicking it with Church. They are a clean and sober tattoo shop. So if you are uh, in need of a supportive lifestyle and are a tattooer or in the tattoo world, and then you should probably get out there because they can support you both at the tattoo shop and you know throughout all aspects of your life and recovery. At Interstate Inc. LA Church, they got a pretty cool crew. And again, it's uh, very, very, very good. So if you're looking just to get tattooed, uh, check it out. Uh, rawpigments.co is a great pigment company. Uh, Lauren uh, helps represent them. And instead of me talking about them, you can go to reinventing247.com, scroll down, put your address in, and then try them out if you are, uh, well, if you're sampling inks. Um, let's see, worldtattooevents.com is the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. Alex does some pretty amazing interviews. Uh, I think he had a Mickey on uh, uh, within the last year. He's done a couple panels with people worldwide. And as you can imagine, tattoo conventions, information's going crazy these days. And um, check it out, World Tattoo Events. Uh, D-Lies Pro is known as Dermalize Worldwide, but in the United States, thanks to copyright laws, they are D-Lies Pro. Uh, protects your art. It's a healing wrap. And if you're still using saran wrap that's not breathable, you should consider using, um, well, consider using Dermalize. It's uh, designed for healing tattoos. There's a lot of videos online, so you can definitely check out uh, what people say about it and how they use it. Uh, let's see, Tattoo Now, that's me, computer geek for tattooers. I love using computers to help amplify uh, what you have going on, especially if you're, well, pretty much exclusively if you're tattooers. And I am accepting new clients. And then last but not least is Guy Aitchison who made Reinventing the Tattoo Happen. He wrote the, well, the three ring binder back in the day that was based off of one of his first seminars, I think well over 20 years ago at this point. Uh, Reinventing the Tattoo has evolved into, and then it went to like a book with DVDs, with a massive awesome forum and interactivity. And then we went online 10 years ago. Now it's on this awesome uh, new streamlined technology that we're actually finalizing the move over as we speak or right after this. Um, anyways, uh, Guy, again, not like I was saying before, not only is it uh, an awesome comprehensive course that has amazing guest artists and like over 20 other courses now inside of the whole environment, but it includes weekly exercises and critiques from Guy Aitchison and the whole crew. Everyone kind of zooms in. It's awesome. So reinventingthetattoo.com, subscribe, uh, guyaitchison.com, buy his paintings, check out his prints. Uh, the, the Mind Tree series is amazing. And with that, uh, leave your positive reviews on all the channels uh, to help us get the word out. We actually go out in the podcast store too. All your constructive criticism or ideas or sponsorship uh, ideas, management at reinventingthetattoo.com. And instead of hopping off into the background and reading comments, I'm going to bring in Lauren uh, to help uh, with this awesome interview with Carrie. And um, 
yeah, I've got, uh, like I said, normally I would pass off to, to the host, but here I am. Thank you, Carrie, for, uh, for joining us. And you have a, and a pretty amazing, well, there's, there's so many different stories and projects that you have to talk about, but I'm pretty excited to, to, to catch up about the, the history, the, the Tattoo History Museum. Um, recently, there was an interview with, uh, with, with Good Time Charlie, and uh, it's been, a, I think, maybe a month or two. So it'll be cool to, to catch up uh, on what's happening, what's happening. And, uh, but let's, let's start off with, um, you know, at, at the, at, at, uh, I don't want to, to embarrass you, but maybe if uh, you could lead off with a, with a little bit of an introduction so that people, um, you know, understand, uh, know who you are. Actually, you know what? Let me just make sure that this is working because I realized I did not okay. test it or double check. Um, Let's see, tattoos. Oh, yeah, it is. It looks like it is working here. And um, okay, this is great. Uh, okay, perfect. Double um, checking is always a good idea, right? You know, sometimes, as you could imagine, we can get pretty far along in these things and then uh, and then realize it's out. But yeah, okay, well, thanks again. Uh, let me uh, uh, spotlight you. And um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get the, a great little introduction. Or a, a okay. long one. Your call. Uh, my name is Carrie Barba, and I'm, I'm sure I'll, as long as I've been tattooing, some people know me, but, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, our newer generation. So I've been tattooing, uh, this will be my 43rd year, and I currently own, uh, let's see right here, uh, Burt Grimms, which is the oldest tattoo shop in the United States, second oldest in the whole world, here in Long Beach, California. Uh, I have two shops currently, one in Costa Mesa, which is, you know, about 30 miles from here. And then this one here in, in Long Beach, which houses a variety and great amount of uh, memorabilia from tattooing as much as we can get. You know, it's kind of a small museum, the building itself being the, the oldest tattoo shop here in the United States. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I was out there a couple of years ago and uh, there is a video that's out in the YouTube sphere if you do a search for Outer Limits History. Uh, Jenny was an amazing uh, hostess and uh, her depth of knowledge was great. She didn't have a script or anything. She was just able to uh, to, to pull that out. And um, so, yeah, I, I, so part of the, oh, sorry, part of the training, you know, Jenny, uh, speaking of who she is, she's, uh, was my apprentice who's now working on the floor, but Part of her training was to do research and learn as much as she could about our history and tattoo here in the Pike area. So she is very knowledgeable and uh, is constantly learning. And uh, yeah, we have had her do a lot of the tours and she does a fantastic job. You know, uh, it would be great maybe at some point, um, well, I guess you, you have all these videos. So it's, uh, I guess as, as, uh, as, as people keep documenting it, there's more and more um, but I, well, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I can't wait to get back out there to, to do more camera uh, work. Um, so you clearly, you know, when you got into Burt Grimm's shop there, this was a, also a long time ago, and it was, it was also historical back then. So, so you know, tattoo history is something that, well, you know, clearly has been with you for a while. Um, do, do you care to talk about like when like the history part of tattooing kind of first struck you and then maybe how that uh, transitioned into you owning, you know, the oldest tattoo shop in America? It's crazy. It's so awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm very lucky, actually. Uh, you know, the history part, I guess I've always been a little bit interested in history. You know, way back, I started collecting a lot of um, you know, memorabilia from when I would go to conventions and things like that, business cards, 
got a large collection of Greg Irons things uh, that I had for many, many years. And the spark of interest that brought me here, you know, the first time I came to this studio was in 1980. I came down to visit and meet Colonel Todd and see who was working in the shop at the time. And it was just a, even the smell of the shop. You know, when you walk into the old shops, it, it brings you back, right? And the flash was plastered everywhere, all over the ceiling, all over the walls, you know, the old school tattoo shops and Wait, what you know, was the this? What, what is the feel. smell? What, 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 can you describe the smell from back then? Because it's uh, it's got to be the different. smell is is almost like your grandparents' house, right? You walk in or to an antique store, but you think about you know how many people have touched the doorknobs and how many people have walked on this floor and walked through here and the types of people that have come here. You know, it used to be a uh, a naval port, so there was a lot of uh, you know naval guys who would come by and get tattooed and it would just get flooded regularly. Um, that's before my time, but it was really great to learn about that, right? And to hear other people who had worked here tell those stories, you know, being Colonel Todd, Rick Walters. Um, there's a lot of artists who have come not only from this particular shop, but in the Pike area. So there used to be 12 tattoo shops down here at one time. You know, I think uh, Bird himself owned five of those. So he was sending people back and forth. You know, if if somebody didn't like the shop, he'd pretend it wasn't his and send them down the street. And, you know, <laughs> that was the way, right? <laughs> there must have been so Create many uh, stories, right? Like, um, now, had you heard, I mean, clearly you must have heard about the, the studio or what were some of the first uh, like stories or, or legends that you, that you heard about the, the, the tattooing on the pike there? I guess it was the Colonel, but... Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Bob Shaw, of course, yeah. right? Bert Grimm, um, a lot of those. I mean, I came down the first time I did visit, I got to meet Mark Mahoney, who was just down the street at the time. Um, Lyle Tuttle, um, Zeke Cohen's. I mean, there's been a lot of women here, too, that I did, wasn't fortunate enough to meet, like, you know, Danny Dottie. And even Julie Grimm herself worked here for a very short time. Um, Calamity Jane, who... Uh, worked here we have we have a collection here in the shop of everyone we could find a photo of so everybody we can find a photo of who worked here at some time and during jenny's apprenticeship she looked up the years that they did work here and we have little plaques up that state you know who worked here when and how long so it's pretty exciting to sit and just read some of that Oh uh, yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And as um, I'm as I'm editing like all these videos and finding the pictures and and whatnot, you know, it, it just really dawns on me how important documentation really is. And they don't make any more pictures, especially from back then. Like, and, and it's something that I'm not sure this I'm sure this next generation isn't. You know, the, the brains don't work like that because almost everything is documented like this all the time. But um, to be there and to, and to look at the walls and to see those pictures, like I said, it, it really is something that uh, it feels like every, well, again, every tattooer should be, you know, on their way at some point to get there to, to check it out. Um, because the, the, it is one of the, the best, or at least, you know, one of the, the best collections I've been to. There's a couple uh, that obviously you're, you're involved with or, or that, you're, that you know about and, and work with or whatever. But um, Anyways, that, that wall is amazing. And the, uh, I definitely encourage people to, like I said, either check out the video, but then they should get there. Um, and, I'll, and same thing with apprentices, you know, it's like, as far as learning the history, you know, it's, it's so much stuff. It's uh, so, and you, so you started, well, started collecting right away when you're moving in, or I guess, uh, well, I guess we didn't get to the story you know, about, 
you uh, yeah so uh, how i acquired the shop was uh rick wait, walters really uh, wait i Go think ahead. we have to tease that first though um okay because we haven't gotten to the part where you got into tattooing yeah i did get into tattooing fairly young i did my first tattoo at 19. um i'm from the minneapolis area so i did my first tattoo there and it was kind of you know just something a friend of mine talked me into really i had this tattoo artist friend who uh, lived downstairs from me and his name is neil grant i believe he's still tattooing back in new york and uh, he just used to see me sketching and he'd say Carrie, you should really try this. I think you'd like it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to tattoo. You know, it wasn't like Ed Hardy. I always had that childhood dream, but I didn't have that. I had the dream of art, but it came to me that way. So when I first tried it, I thought, wow, this is fun. It's exciting. I loved it. And it just grew from there. And I started out doing, you know, kind of single needle black and gray in the late seventies. And, uh, I didn't know black and gray was really a thing yet because for me, it was just the way I drew. I kind of pencil sketched all the time. So I thought, well, I'll just use this little bitty needle and do it like the way I draw and do that, you know? It was kind of fun. And then later finding out, you know, here, Good Time Charlie and Jack Rudy, Freddie Negretti are on their own time doing that just a step ahead of me. Of course, you know, there, there are more seasons than I am, but uh, doing that fantastic work here on the West Coast. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. I ended up moving to California in 1980. That's when I first saw the, the shops here, the Burt Grimm shop and went and visited uh, Tattoo Land and a lot of the other shops in the area. It was pretty exciting. It's, um, Pretty amazing to, to, like I said, to keep seeing the, uh, the pictures as I get to, to go through them. Now, um, was it tough to, to, to land the apprenticeship? I mean, I guess obviously you were saying that there were women that were there, you know, uh, and it's awesome how much it's expanding and growing, but like, it, and I don't want to like just come up with cliche, you know, questions, but um, it is worth uh, telling your story a little bit if, uh, if it's of value, you know, what that experience was, you know, so getting the shop was, uh, you're talking about the shop, right? Not learning to tattoo or are you no, talking about learning to tattoo? Actually, any story that you'd like to tell leading off of, from there is probably. Yeah. So learning to, learning to tattoo, I didn't apprentice. Um, I wish I had, you know, because I had to go back, right? A couple of years after that, um, I was working. First shop I ever worked in was in La Puente, California. And uh, I worked for this gentleman named Fat George and another gentleman named Fat Mike. And uh, learning old school traditional work, right? Like I had to do that and I had never done that. So it was kind of like, okay, Carrie, you got to do this. You, you got to learn to do your lines clean and get your color in there. So, you know, take a step back and relearn. So I had worked a couple of years just doing tattooing. Um, so I, I do believe in apprenticeships. I think they kind of make things fast forward, you know? So for me, I had to take that step back and relearn. But uh, that said, it was a, a great experience to learn all those different styles and to, you know, do things back then the way we did, you know, we made our own needles and we mixed our own inks and, you know, things are pretty easy now. You just order it, you know, it comes, it's already ready to go. You know, you don't have to do anything, pop that cartridge yeah. in, you know, shake the bottle, right? Yeah. Just it's go like for 60 it. 60 different colors. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, I, I remember when purple came out, uh, that was so exciting because, oh my God, we had purple, right? Mm -hmm. you, that was a great color and it had never, and it was like $75 a bottle way back then for the first time you could buy purple. And uh, it was pretty exciting, but it always came in a powder form, you know, so you had to learn the secret of how to mix those inks to get them to go in the skin the best, right? So everybody had their own recipe. There was always a secret involved. Um, things weren't readily given to you. You kind of had to get to know people and, uh, and or figure it out, right? You just didn't, you know, pull up YouTube and learn how to do that. So it was much more difficult. Did, uh, did anybody ever imagine, was it that it could, that would blow up uh, to, to the size that it has? I mean, I can't even imagine where it might be going, but like, it's amazing to think about uh, uh, how, again, as you were saying, like creating the stuff, uh, you know, every day, you know, for the needles or, or once a week and, and then the inks, that's, a, that's pretty amazing. So, um, well, let's, let's transition. So how long uh, were you tattooing before you opened up your own shop? And was Bert, was this shop your, your first, was this, this wasn't your, that wasn't your first shop. You had a couple before then. No. Yeah. So my first shop was in Anaheim, California. I opened that in 1983. Um, on Beach and Ball. And I had that shop for about 26 years. Okay. Uh, but during the course of that time, from 83 till now, there's been a series of about seven different shops. Um, but once I came here and learned about this particular shop and the history of this shop, I always wanted to work in Long Beach. I always thought it would be fantastic to have a shop here in such a historical area. And when Rick Walters approached me, I think he approached me first time in like 2002 and he started talking to me about wanting to, uh, they were trying to sell the shop, you know, uh, Bobby Shaw and uh, Larry Shaw were selling the shop. Um, they currently had their shops down in Houston and wanted to relocate back there. They didn't want to keep running the shop. So Rick was like, you should buy the shop. And I was like, oh, Rick, I was running, you know, three other shops at the time. And I thought it would be too much, but the dream of Long Beach, not only Long Beach, but the oldest shop in the nation was, uh, it was just too hard to pass up, you know? So yeah. <laughs> we just had to go for that. But did you know, did you, shop, did you kind of know in your heart when you offered it, you're like, oh no, I have to do this. Or were you able to like say, no, 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 I have three shops that take like weeks to, to settle in or. Yeah, I did that at first. At first, at first I said, no. And I said, Rick, I can't. I'm just, I'm too busy. I have too much. I'm still tattooing at that time. I think five or six days a week. I don't remember exactly, but doing that plus running the other shops. And although I, I did have help with that, you know, I had a, 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 a manager in each shop and I, I did have assistance. It was still extremely difficult. Um, and I thought, well, that's going to be overwhelming. And I was trying to find you know, which I didn't know at the time, uh, we were going to call that life balance, but we were looking for that. We mm -hmm. wanted to have some time off, right, to do things in our personal life and that sort of thing. So I told Rick no for quite some time, and he approached me a few times. And then I, I went to a coworker friend of mine and talked to her about the possibility. And uh, we partnered up in that. And first needed to, so this particular place here, you have to buy the, the actual space. So they were selling the shop, but they were also selling the 
portion of the building that the shop was in. So it wasn't as easy as like, oh, I'm just going to take over the shop and oh, open boy. the shop. You had to, you had to buy the property first. So we did that. And then when we got in here, the city said, oh, new owner. Fantastic. Let's have you redo the plumbing. Let's have you redo the electrical. Let's, you know, Title 21 here in California had to put in all these safety things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was a long process that took quite a long time. And eventually we were able to uh, publicly open our doors and get people flowing back in here. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I bet. And was the uh, community support right out of the gate again? Or was it, uh, I, I imagine? Or... Uh, no, uh, yeah. the community support, first year in the building, they just didn't want the tattoo shop here. You know, there had been mm. a series of bad history, let's say. So, you know, way back in time, the shop was hidden, right? It was, you know, a photography studio. Maybe it was claimed as a, um, you know, a photography studio, whatever, but they didn't want the tattoo shop here. And there's residents above who own condominiums, which used to be like apartments they would buy. And uh, those people did not want the shop. So we kind of had to convince them that we would prove to them that we could do a good shop and keep it clean and keep it friendly to the neighborhood, that kind of thing. Uh, the city also didn't really want it here. They had a bad history with all the tattoo shops through the, you know, after the war finished, the areas started kind of getting run down a little bit and it got a little bit seedy in some of the areas. So they were like, oh, let's clean it up. Let's demolish the entire Pike area and get rid of it. So we were the last ones here. And the reason being is that the residents live upstairs. You know, we have, you know, 11 more stories above us where people live. And so they couldn't tear the building down. So that's the only reason this shop survived that. Right. And very lucky because of that yeah because no. now it's a whole new world outside our door you know we used to be able to see the water when we first opened and uh -huh. uh, now we see skyscrapers you know sure. apartment buildings and where the where the little the little building inside all these towering buildings around us now uh oh. which keeps growing and growing uh city of long beach is growing quite a bit Yes. They're actually speaking of Long Beach. Uh, someone in the in the chat room here, uh, Lady Bird Art, says uh, uh, to you, uh, you and your work have been a huge inspiration in my life, uh, especially growing up in Long Beach. You gave me the courage to pursue a tattoo career. Ex oh, exclamation point. You gave me the courage to pursue a tattoo career. Uh, truly wonderful to see you here. So uh, thank you. Oh, that's, that's uh, great. Thank you. I'm so glad. You know, it's funny because, you know, when I started tattooing, I didn't think that it would ever get to a point where would, people would say things like that to me you know you just do it because it's fun and you like it right and over the years being a woman um that respect has grown from other women and from men also so it's it's pretty incredible to hear people say that I helped them in some way you know that I gave them the courage or whatever it is for them to move forward into something that they love and I really uh, thank you all for that uh, it's an, you know, you do, you know, and um, as a, as an event producer, every once in a while, I'm trying, I try to figure out how to, or I feel the pressure of like, uh, how do we keep making people's experiences more awesome? And it's like, wait, the, the, the different chemistries and the, and, the, and the personalities that, you know, that, that like you that are, or and others that are, that are there. Uh, again, it's, re it's really awesome that, uh, uh, that you're doing it for the effect, you know, and not for the, admiration but the admiration is well deserved 
And um, thank you. Like I said, it's a, a you know I'm a computer geek, so for me it's like some of these things like should just be 50-50 or maybe 49-51, right? And like I you know it, it, sometimes it, and and I also understand that you know I also. It just even though I think that and that's where my starting point is mentally, uh, I have to shift some of the ways that I'm doing things and thinking about things because, you know, again, I'm a white dude, uh, poor white trash dude, you know, but still. And uh, uh, it's amazing that uh, that tattooing basically helps enable everybody to kind of participate. And, the, you know, the, the barrier to entry is more about. Well, I don't even know, like, I don't want to talk to the barriers of entry. Anyways, it's uh, Gabe, I actually, I have a, an interesting question that kind of builds on that, Carrie, um, in terms of tattoo history, in terms of sterility. Can you describe to me um, how that realization feels knowing that the series of decisions or positive affirmations or not getting your building rezoned, those decisions you made early in career have shaped and improved the lives of millions of people. What does that feel like now? Were you thinking about that at all? Like, you know, making those those decisions um, compared to how you're not doing at it all. now. Not at all. Um, you just don't think that in your early career. You know, um, I'm sure even Lyle Tell didn't grow up thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be admired by everyone, or I'm gonna be admired by these many people or help people." Um, you just don't think that. I sure didn't. I was, uh, you know, very shy. When I got into tattooing, uh, it was hard for me to even talk to clients. You know, I just was, you know, cowering in my corner every time someone would come in. And so to get to a point where now I'm doing things like this, or I'm walking on a stage and talking to a lot of people, explaining my life, uh, explaining some of the history. And it's some of that history is my personal history, but a lot of it I'm trying to carry on is other people's history. So when we have the opportunity, we want to hear that history from them directly. Um, but yes, it's very, very, very exciting to be able to have young people come up and say to me, thank you, uh, you, you trailblazed. And because of you, I'm able to do this today. And was I a trailblazer? I don't know. I have no idea. But they feel that I helped them. And if I did, I'm glad that I did. Excellent. Um, so throughout your career, was it common for you to reflect on the concept of like creating history or keeping it in terms of the things that you were collecting? Or was it more of like, uh, you know, personal passion? Did you envision at all the type of value that created uh, for many generations that, to come? You know, I think that that history part really hit me when, when we started this shop, you know, because when I had to, when I walked into this, this location, it was empty. Um, the history was gone except for the memories, right? So the building itself was just empty walls at that time because when the shop closed down and they left, everyone who worked here wanted a piece of that. You know, everybody wanted a piece of the memories, so they took everything with them. So I had to go through this process of trying to fill the walls and reclaim some of the history back to the original location. So I was reaching out to everybody. And so through that, you know, that interest grew and grew at the time. Although I had some history previously, just from collecting some of the things I had through the tattoo industry through all the years, um, it really smacked me in the face when we uh, took over this spot and what this particular location meant to this industry, how important it was, how important this city is, how important 
this traditional tattoo shop is to tattooing in general because the people who grew many styles, you know, let's talk about Good Time Charlie and how black and gray tattooing sprung off of this particular area, this particular Pike area of Long Beach. He came here and said, hey, I'm gonna try this new thing. I'm just gonna use black. I'm just gonna tattoo the way I like to tattoo and I don't care what you're doing. I'm gonna do it my own way. And then, you know, Jack and Freddie and those who followed behind him all doing the same thing. Many others, of course, but East LA sprung up and that transition from the Pike in Long Beach to East LA in that black and white style all springs from the history of this particular area. Absolutely phenomenal. I, I love to hear uh, how you're explaining that in terms of not really just doing it because it's something you love and it's something different, but at the same time, it was creating immense historical value. Uh, I'm curious too, I'm not sure Gabe, your thoughts here, but the Tattoo Heritage Project, can you kind of go and explain that a little bit as well? Are you able to hear me? Okay. Oh, yeah. How are you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Carrie, uh, the uh, the Tattoo Heritage Project, it seems pretty awesome. Uh, you're on the board of directors. I'm going to fire up the uh, the website in the background here if you want to uh, give us a little tour of, and, and let us know about uh, how people could help because uh, clearly anybody that's watching this that loves tattooing um, should want to be a part of, again, preserving its history. So. Yeah, I'm going to screen Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. So um, Good Time Charlie had a dream. And I think he mentioned that before, that how great it would be to have a, a one house tattoo museum if we could do that here in, in the area of Long Beach, you know, where it all started from in, in where the oldest shop is. Can we do it nearby so we could work together and bring collections from different people you know, all over the country, possibly all over the world, but to one location where people could go and visit and become members and regularly support history and tattoo. So, you know, there's been lots of shows that have come across, you know, there's been uh, Natural History Museum LA, Mola Museum here in Long Beach, many museums across the nation, across the world who have done exhibitions on tattoo. Um, but there's a lot of small little collections everywhere, you know, a lot of different tattooers and different people all over the nation have their collections, some in different countries, you know, like Hank uh, up in there, everybody has that, but can we borrow those collections and bring them to where it's more accessible for people to regularly go and visit those collections and learn about the history of tattoos? So that's his dream. And how can we help out? Well, this is kind of a new idea. So we're just building and trying to build our finances and find membership support so that we can move forward and find a permanent location for a permanent collection and visiting collections. So that's what we're working towards. And you know, if you go onto the website, there's lots of places where you can uh, support in different ways, whether buying merchandise or giving donations and things of that nature. And, you know, possibly in the future, even sharing your collection to the museum for a period of time would be absolutely fantastic. 
and I would like to see more people join in. And that's what we're trying to do is kind of to share. And there's Greg right there. Yeah, I was just thinking that when I uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a fantastic idea. I'm really excited about being involved and I appreciate that Char Charlie asked me to be involved and I'm very excited for his dream to come true. And here we have a picture of one area of the pike back in the day. It looks like it's, you know, maybe in the seventies, I'm guessing probably early seventies before they, uh, you know, demolished all those buildings right there. And none of those buildings are currently here anymore. Oh, well. So you can only see them through uh, photos and that are in people's private collections. Yeah, I love, uh, like I said, just kind of going through all of it. And uh, as I'm editing these videos, you know, I'm looking for like Don Nolan or like, like all these different names. And uh, I'm part of, I'm becoming part like internet uh, sleuth. Um, it's also fun to see how people change through history. I, I remember being at a, one of the Hell City tattoo conventions and I was watching a video, it was like a, a documentary in one of the movie rooms, and I believe it was of uh, Mike Malone and Ed going over to, to Japan to get the back pieces, and um, I was, for one, I was like, oh my god, they look so young, you know, and uh, they were young ones, and then I was like, wow, it is fun. it's amazing how, again, like to, maybe to your previous point, like, they didn't know they were making history, they certainly didn't think it was going to, you know, documentary worthy, they were just doing this really awesome, amazing thing to, to get this, uh, you know, a tattoo that's out of this world for them or whatever. And uh, anyways, it's, it's amazing that um, to, be, to, to, to help any, any ways that I could help uh, with the computer stuff, I'm definitely down. And um, uh, so as you were saying, people could go to the website, there's uh, like, they could get like the mugs or cups for the small donations. There's, you know, some larger donations, maybe if you're a tattoo studio and um, yeah, cool. It's awesome. Um, it's extremely awesome. And uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of help involved, which you saw the members of the board as you scrolled through the website there. And uh, every single one of those people on that website or on that board is is trying to do their part to help preserve the history. And it's and I'm I'm very honored to be involved, to be able to help. And I hope that I can help them anyway. Some of us are currently working on, you know, T-shirt designs, designs that could be used in many different ways on again things like mugs and stuff but that's a small way to help out and as you said there are much larger ways uh, sponsorships memberships that'll be coming up things like that oh sorry i'm clicking my button here and um and yeah uh, and you would accept uh, uh you know from the, the the tattoo businesses too of course like supply companies and and all of the the people it's uh, and again it feels like um, I don't know, to, to, to some of the vision, like if you're at a, a real museum, um, I don't, I don't, it, it would almost be embarrassing if there wasn't, uh, a, if your company wasn't kind of sponsoring it, right? Um, so anyways, right. it's, um, it's great to do that. And then um, are there any other, are there events that are coming up? Or I guess people should just, hit, you know, hit, hit the, the follows or is there, what, what, what are the ways? Yeah, as far as events are concerned, I know we're working on a docu-series. Um, which will be pretty exciting, highlighting different tattoo artists. Uh, and that is pretty exciting. You can find more information about that also on the website. But I've seen small little portions, and it's pretty exciting. Um, Mr. Cartoon has hooked us up with his cinematographer, who has done uh -huh. uh, some fantastic stories. I don't know if I'm using the right wording there, so I, I hope I am. don't want to 
discredit anybody because what I've seen from that gentleman is uh, extremely amazing. And we're working with the city, uh, different city officials are totally on board, which is uh, fantastic. We've had some virtual meetings with city officials and they are helping us to locate a permanent facility for the museum here in Long Beach. So we look forward to that too. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, okay, I mean, I don't know if there's a, do you have any other points that you might want to cover before we uh, move on or, or Lauren, do you have any, do you want to touch base about this or? No, I'm, I'm really absolutely in love with what you're doing. And I'm curious because uh, lately in my own life, I've come across international artists or American artists who are just very, very out of touch with the history, whether or not they're more primarily focused on their own social media and stuff like that. But what would be a great um, bit of advice you have for artists like that who would probably like to introduce themselves to history or introduce their apprentice to history and the route that they should take? You know, it is interesting because, you know, most of us, if you go back to our school days, right, most of us hated history. Nobody wants to remember the dates. Nobody wants to concentrate on that kind of thing. But it's not about remembering dates. It's looking at what came before us, right? And how did we get here and why? And what were the struggles that those people went through and the gross and accomplishments that they had? And why are we tattooing today? So when I apprentice someone, especially nowadays after having this shop, I think it's very important that they touch on that, that they learn why they're here and where they came from. And to do some research and a lot of that research is online and maybe in your own area even. So I know there's shops like in different areas that maybe you're the oldest shop in your town. So you could get online and go through your city history and start looking up things that might relate to your area just to learn about what tattoo artists came through your area um, or different area if you choose. You know, New York is a huge spot, right? Los Angeles, Long Beach. Uh, many of these areas, and a lot of that can be found online, and a lot of it you might have to go down to your local historical society. We went down and paged through tons and tons of photos just looking through, which we're going to be doing again here shortly, just constantly looking for photos of tattoo shops that might have been in the area, people who were tattooed, the naval base that was here, because we had so many people come from the Navy. And I think there's lots of avenues for research, but hopefully the Tattoo Heritage Project will be one of those. You know, you can be able to come to the museum and learn there, which will be fantastic. That does sound like a, something that I would absolutely love to do and for encourage other artists to do as well. I, I saw last week the video that Gabe had shared from Jenny, and that was about as good as it can be for some right now with uh, the situation with COVID and closures and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we periodically, we used to have this quite a bit where groups would come through, uh, groups of teachers, groups of students, and we do tours through the shop and tell them as much as we could and about the history of tattoo and kind of open up the eyes of other people who don't know a lot about it because a lot of, you know, let's say if you're not tattooed, you might have a preconceived idea of what that's about. So we're trying to change their minds and show them the artistic side of tattoo and what that really means. And by doing that, we're sharing some of the history and hopefully we can open their eyes a little bit. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, we also have uh, another surprise guest questioner, uh, questionnaire. 
Um, Carrie, I don't know. Have you have you met Fawn before? Fawn from a I don't think uh, so. Red Tree or Tattoo Collecting Podcast. Fawn, could you turn your camera uh, sideways by chance? Here we go. Ah, Is that better? Fantastic. There we go. Awesome. I can uh, never remember go. which way. Carrie, Fawn, Fawn, Carrie. So Fawn uh, is a host of the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. And um, I've, uh, I'm excited to uh, have her. She, she pinged me to see if she could ask some questions. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna hop on out here for a second to uh, have a, a good question. Sure. Cool. Uh, first off, Carrie, uh, fantastic to kind of meet you. It's a little different yeah. when we're not really face to face, but um, so one of my, one of my questions for you that I was, uh, messaging Gabe about was I was just, um, kind of curious on like your point of view of how the attitude towards women and the whole tattoo industry has evolved over the years. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I'm going to lump that because I'll talk about the women in tattoo, but you know, there's also a racial thing involved there. Mm -hmm. So uh, women in tattoo. So when I first started tattooing, I didn't personally think about it because I, I have mentioned this in, in interviews before, but I was raised by my father and I was never told I couldn't do something. So for me, getting into tattooing seemed a very unnatural thing. Uh, I didn't know and I wasn't aware that there were women in tattoo shops all over until I started tattooing who were struggling. You know, they were being put in the, the back chair and basically ignored and uh, not given the equal voice, let's say, uh, taken advantage of in many ways. And uh, I was very lucky because that didn't happen to myself in my shop, right? But it was happening to everybody else, you know, uh, all over the world. And so that, that growth and that change for women is occurring. Has it stopped? No, of course it hasn't completely stopped because it depends on where your shop is, uh, the area that you're in, you know, the community that you have, the support you have, things of that nature. But it's great to see so many women tattooing because when I started tattooing, you know, I could count the women that I knew tattooing when I started on, on my hands, that was it. So now, you know, I'd say there's, there's a lot of us now numbers. Yeah. It's a lot to be equal numbers. It's fantastic. And, you know, that's also peaceful people of color, right? So we didn't have people of color tattooing that I was aware of at that time. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we had some brown people, but very few, right? Very mm -hmm. few. So that is starting to really grow and open up to everybody in this industry. And we have to be aware that tattooing is for everyone. It's, it's not secluded to just men or white men. It should be inclusive of everyone. And I'm strong advocate of that. And uh, the women who are tattooing now are just absolutely amazing. I can't believe some of the work that's being done from everybody actually, but you know, there was a time when people would walk in my shop and I, I felt, okay, I have to do that. You know, I have to do that. But just because I had the courage to try, I guess, where some mm -hmm. of my crew was, was scared to try. Um, and I think that women were scared to do that. You know, they were scared to step, step up. Right. And I think now they're all stepping up, stepping up and proving that they're amazing, how great their art is, that they're strong, and that they can carry this industry forward alongside the men. 
That's awesome. I, in, in my career, I've only been tattooing for about 13 years. So let's just round it and call it 15. So in the last 15 years, I've, I've gotten to see the industry become in my, my perspective, I've gotten to see the industry become more inclusive and more soft. Like it's just softer. The harshness is going away. You know what I mean? Like I think of like when I see shops in like the early nineties, when I was, you know, just a kid and it, they just seemed rough. The people getting tattooed just seemed rough. The people doing it seemed rough. It's like everybody had a chip on their shoulders. So for me, it's really, it's pleasant to see that that chip is kind of dissolving and people are finding their way. You know, there are enough collectors now that there's more than enough work to go around. So we don't need to be like cutthroat with other shops anymore. Like, it's nice to see that like, due to like the love of the, the community and the community growing that like everybody's included now or being included you know it's it's nice it's nice to, to be on this Absolutely. end of it I've heard stories of what it was like for you like from people who watched you tattoo uh earlier in your career and, um just to see just to see another female who's, who's worked your way up through the industry. You worked your way up through the ranks, just like the men, but you, you've always done it. Like anybody that knows you, they only like, they have the classiest things to say about you. So that's really nice to see. You know what I mean? Like a lot of women struggle and it's hard to find the way to, to, to do things the classy way and the right way and to not be pushed around or not be taken advantage of. So it's really good that you've been like a role model for all of us. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I've definitely had my bad days. Let me tell you, you know, I'm on, I've been at some of those conventions where I wasn't the most classy. So, you know, I'm sure people, you're hearing the good stories, but there, I'm sure there are some bad ones too. But, uh, you know, trying to, stay myself was mm -hmm. the most important thing and it was hard sometimes because you know at times we're we're putting a face for somebody else and when you really realize that that doesn't matter anymore you should just be who you are mm -hmm. and especially you know when I was first in this industry I was I was straight I was married you know I had two beautiful kids my son Jeremiah's tattoo artist also um, my daughter is a hairstylist but we're all kind of artistic Mm -hmm. in our way and um growing up with uh my son tattooing alongside me he's been tattooing since he was 15 i can't even think now my numbers are going crazy but he's been tattooing a real long time mm -hmm. and it's fantastic to see all of this growth happen you know to see women change in this industry and show who they are and what they have and uh, i appreciate them recognizing me and trying to do it with grace. I don't know that I've done that all the way, um, but I feel like I have a, a soft inside. So I have a tendency to get pushed around and taken advantage of. So it's very hard for me sometimes to hold my ground and uh, be strong. You know, it, it is, it's very hard for me. And that's a kind of a mushy side of me, but I'm a cancer and I have that soft inside and that hard out shell on the outside, uh -huh. you know, but um, just who I am. That's awesome. I just, I just appreciate everything that you've brought to the community. Before I joined, I was listening to you talk about the history of the shop. And one of the things that we talk about at Red Tree all the time is 
the the tattoo history of Columbus. <clears throat> We're so proud of it. It's, it's one of the reasons that makes it so special that Marty Holcomb is working with us. But we talk about the tattoo lineage. You know what I mean? Like who learned from who, who learned from who, who learned from Stoney. So in Columbus, there's this, there's almost this like uh, pride Family. if you learned from one of the local yeah. local masters, you know what I mean? And then, like you said, there's, there's definitely the family to it. There's like the father and then the grandfather and then the great grandfather of tattooing. So yeah. it's really cool to see, you know, more and more people are starting to keep the history of this art and this culture alive. Um, every time, like, I, I just keep looking at all the flash right behind you as you're sitting there and just, just yeah. all the history that's in that one shot is amazing. Um, yeah, so this is a little, it's kind of, this is a Burt Grimm sheet right here. Mm -hmm. And this is a blazer that was actually worn in the shop that uh, Bob Shaw actually wore. It's a very small little shirt. This, this flash right here is Dainty Dottie. So we have flash from different people all over the shop, but also more photos of the people who worked here, trying to represent them in the timelines. We have um, little plaques, I think you can see one here, uh, that kind of explain it. So you can kind of do a self-guided tour here also. So you can walk around and read, what is this? You know, what is this picture and what does it mean and what does it come from? And, and the history, and we have some different pieces here that were lent to the Natural History Museum for their exhibition on tattoo that was done, I think it was like maybe four or five years ago, they had that fantastic exhibition that was lent from the Kay Branley Museum in Paris. And that particular exhibition has been traveling the world ever since and is still currently doing that. Uh, went to Taiwan, I think it went to Spain, it been back in France. It's uh, supposed to travel to many countries, which is pretty fantastic to see. Um, we have different pieces. I know this one's kind of hard to see, but if I turn this just a little bit, you can see there's a plate glass window here that was painted by Bob Shaw and was hanging in a window. So when we took over the shop, we had to you know, tear down some walls and do some demolishing and things like that. And we actually found that plate glass window behind another wall. They had kind of covered it up. We found flash behind the wall. We found, you know, things in the ground from when they uh, first built the building that some of them were related to tattoo. And it was pretty exciting to, to find all these little bits and pieces of history just covered up, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that's not important anymore. Let's just plaster and put some drywall over it. Let's put some paneling over the top of it. And so we started ripping that all down and finding all these treasures. And so it's, it's very exciting to think about how we found those at the time and where they came from and, and, and be able to share them. It's pretty great. Oh man, I would, I would love just being able to stumble on treasures like that. <clears throat> out, of, out of all of the memorabilia that you, you have and you've acquired, what is your favorite kind of memorabilia to collect? Hmm, gosh, um, it's more the timelines. I think that's the most interesting to me. I mean, I love seeing the artwork, right? The drawings and how mm -hmm. they progressed over time and then how we end up doing things in cycles. It's very interesting to me because, you know, you go back and you have traditional from way back and then traditional gets revisited in a common way, but also in a new way. 
but the timelines of how things happened is very interesting. Like how long did people work here? And finding out there was women here was pretty interesting because I wasn't aware any women had ever worked here. And so in the research process, you know, finding out there was a few women who actually tattooed here is interesting because when I took over the shop, um, it, it seemed to me that a lot of the men did not want a woman, a woman to own the shop. They didn't want a woman in the shop. They didn't want anybody to, to run it, you know, who was mm-hmm. a girl. And so that was a little hard for me. Um, and I had to kind of prove to them that I could preserve the history, share it, keep it clean and still have it kind of have that era of the old world because they were afraid we were going to modernize it too much, you know, take things down. And so trying to represent things in a somewhat modern way, but still uh, respect the history of everything is very important. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's very, very important to me. But I'd say my most, my favorite thing is probably the artwork. I don't know. I've been on an art collecting rampage lately. I, I feel like once, oh, yeah. once you start buying little pieces, like once, once you take the leap and start buying original artwork, it just, the rabbit hole opens up and then it gets so exciting. Yeah. Like when, when I'm sitting and waiting on a new piece to come in the mail, it's like, oh, I can't get here fast enough. And if it gets stuck in customs, oh. but it's part <laughs> of like, it's part of the excitement when it's an original because you know, there it's the only one it's, you know, it's the only one that will ever be. Yeah, um, that's true. And it's really cool to look at, you know, the brush strokes even. So the, mm-hmm. the window I was showing you, you could see, you know, it's faded over time because it was in the sun for so many years. But, you know, the brush strokes and some of it, you know, using their, their finger to create the shade, you know, so you have all these fingerprints all over it. It's pretty interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. All that stuff's so special to see in person. I haven't made it out there yet, but I, I definitely look forward to someday in the near future coming out and taking a walk through. I would, it would just make my day if I could uh, come out and just oh, yeah, that'll stand be awesome. in all that yeah, history. Well, possibly when the museum comes, we'll get more people through the area too, you know, and we thought it'd be really cool to do a map, you know, of where all the shops were back in the day. So uh, Jenny's worked some on that w- locating and and mapping out where all the different shops were so you can mm-hmm. kind of take a walking tour even though the buildings aren't currently there you can kind of stand in the spot you know it's yeah. really cool to stand in the spot it's like touching that doorknob here that you know made thousands of people have touched that doorknob you know maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of gross to think about but mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same circumstance it's pretty cool yeah, when you think about all the energy that's just passed through and all the ways that the energy like interacts with one another, every person that comes in makes the space a little bit more magic. And then when you add years and years and thousands of people, it's just a magic that you can't, you can't replicate that feeling. And like uh, before I joined you, you guys were talking about what it smelled like and the smell. Part of yeah. that is the energy. Part of that is, you know, the things that have happened there and the transformations that have happened like within people within collectors within artists you know we're always growing we're always we're always changing so that's one of the the, the things that makes the history so special about tattooing absolutely I 100% agree and you know new tattoo artists tattoo artists of this current era 
may not be aware of a lot of the history of tattoo and some of them not might not even care, but I didn't either. You know, when I first got into tattooing, you're just thinking about doing something cool. You just want to mm -hmm. make that pretty picture. You know, you're not concerned about who did it. Um, and back then it was a huge competition, you know, like everybody was trying to be better than, and it's still that way, but the only way you could learn or see things at that time was in tattoo magazines. You know, they mm -hmm. didn't have things on TV. They didn't have YouTube. Uh, there wasn't really anywhere to go unless you flew. You had to fly somewhere to go visit other shops and things like that. You couldn't see what you can see now. Um, so it's easier now to learn, to learn a bit about history just by watching something like this or pulling up a video. But to actually stand in the spot, walk through the grounds, go to those different shops and meet those people, I think is hugely important. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Capobianco came through Red Tree a few weeks ago. He was just traveling and he just kind of stopped in to visit and say, hey, and kind of like walk through like our facility is pretty amazing. So everybody kind of wants to check it out. So he's walking through and he and Derb were talking and he said that he's just been kind of like hitting tattoo shops along the way visiting. And he's like, mm -hmm. I walk into some of these shops and these kids don't even know who I am. I'm like, yeah, they don't know who yeah. you are. Like, you're Joe. You're like, how do these new new school kids not know who you are from like your drawings? And like, you're the only one that looks like you. How do you how do you yeah, not know exactly. Joe Cap just from like cool like, Joe? Right. When he came through, I was like, oh, that's Joe Capobianco. And then my client that I was working on, who is actually a, a cousin of mine, and we had Marty Holcomb was working that evening, and then we had Joe Capobianco in the building in Derb, and all three of them were standing across the hall in Marty's room just chit chatting. I was like. That's the smallest room full of the biggest legends ever. <laughs> That's great. But, I haven't seen Marty in so long. It's been years and years, you know. Oh, he's, he's a homebody. He comes in, he comes in to work about 7.30 every night. He's usually in the building between 7 and 7.30 and then he burns the midnight oil. Like I, I work wow. until usually between midnight and two is usually my stopping point. And sometimes he's working later than I am. So um, it's, it's really cool. I always, I'm always like the wizard will be here in the evening and then he, you know, he's got long yeah, white hair and yeah. a white beard now. Yeah. So he, and like he, his glasses always slide down his nose. So he's always like, he totally looks like a wizard, like the magic that comes from his hands. And then he looks the part. He's awesome. I can't remember the last time I worked till two in the morning, my goodness. You know, you said he starts at seven 30 by that time. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to settle in and get ready to go to bed you know <laughs> nine o'clock but i i'm i'm an early bird so i usually am here in the shop tattooing by about nine or nine thirty and i'm i'm done early afternoon you know my days are shorter now um mm -hmm. after our pandemic break it was a little bit harder for me to work back into it so i i'm working about four days a week now and uh keeping my hours a little bit more limited, but, you know, back in the day, yeah, we used to work those long hours. I mean, our shop hours alone were from 10 in the morning till midnight. And, you know, back then when you tattooed, if somebody came in at midnight, five to midnight, two to midnight, it did not matter if they walked in that door before that clothes sign was up, you did their tattoos. So mm -hmm. you could be there till, you know, three, four in the morning doing their piece, uh, tired and hungry and, you know, just wanting to take a break, but it was more important that you finish the tattoo first. So that was a day-to-day -day thing back then, you know, six days a week. We were only closed one day a week at the time. And so it was a 
it was a lot harder process. And I know a lot of people still do that now. And I respect people who tattoo like that. That's pretty dang hard to do. And it's hard on your body. So I think, I think for, I think for a lot of tattooers, it's necessary to go through that. Like you, those are like, when I say artists have to earn their stripes, those are the stripes you have to earn. If you haven't worked 90 hours for three weeks straight, and then had to work another 90 hour for the fourth week for the fourth week, then you don't know what it's like. Like that's, that's the, that's the character building. That's the, you know, that's the thing that builds the work ethic in us. And that's the thing that like, yeah, I think, I think when you work through that much work and you still love it, that's the thing that like makes it special. There's not, there's not another job that you could just work and work and work until you're exhausted and still be excited to go in the next day. That's true. And, you know, for me, like a lot of times when I'm actually, you know, say you had a really hard day or you're really stressed and you get up and you come in and and once needle hits the skin or you talk with your client, right. You just, get into this beautiful zone you know mm-hmm. it's so peaceful there yeah Army everything else just fades away very peaceful yeah all the troubles go away and you're just concentrating on your art your peace you know and you know the concentration it takes some time to to put it in I don't care how long you've been tattooing I you know I've been tattooing a long time like I said like 43 years and every time I still have to concentrate on Am I doing the line smooth? Am I getting the shading smooth? You know, it it doesn't go away, that process of learning or practicing. It doesn't become, it's somewhat automatic, but not really, right? You still have to work at it. You have to work at it. So your your mind is focused there. You're in that zone. And then that zone becomes kind of like melted softness and you just fall into it, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, just because I host the tattoo collecting podcast, I got to ask a couple of uh, questions about your tattoo collection. The first question is what was your first tattoo and how old were you? I was 18, barely when I got my first tattoo and wasn't sure what I wanted, but I, I mentioned earlier in our talk here that I learned from a tattoo artist by the name of Neil Grant back in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Neil worked for Dave Yurku, who owned the big local shop and ran, helped run conventions and things back in the day at the time. And they were doing a new spot for on Dave. And I, at the time being friends with Neil, I used to go in and clean that shop, right? I, I remember the first time I walked in there and I was like, oh my God, the shop is disgusting. It is so dirty you know, can I come clean this shop for you? So I started helping him clean the shop. And I walked in one day and he's like, hey, hey, Carrie, uh, uh, we got this news channel. They want somebody to get a tattoo. Would you be down to get your first tattoo for the news? I was like, sure, sure, I'll do that. So uh, when I went in, I hadn't picked anything out yet. You know, it was basically at that time you picked it off the wall. You looked at what was, you know, on the flash. And so Dave says to me, I'd really like to do this little mouse. And it was like a little standing cartoon mouse guy. And I really wanted a, a flower, you know, but he, and I said, sure, I'll get the, I'll get the mouse, you know? So I got the mouse and he put it on my shoulder, which later on he ended up covering up with a floral and bird design that was drawn by uh, Vivine Lazonga. So that So you happened. eventually got your flower. I did. 
Yeah, <laughs> I got my flower. Uh, Morning Glories. Yeah, he had a sheet of, it was actually a watercolor painting that Vivine had done. It was an original sheet and she had it hanging in his shop and I just fell in love with that. So it was like a phoenix bird in that. And so I put that on my right shoulder and then eventually added another bird and flower on the left shoulder. Um, but when the, you know, when cover-ups sit there for a while, they don't always, um, they don't always look so 100%, you know? So I ended mm -hmm. up lasering that at, at a later time, which, which I'm sad about because it was Vivine's original design, which was pretty amazing. But that was my first tattoo, was that little mouse. Okay. Here's my next question. <clears throat> How do you think collecting tattoos shaped you as an artist? Collecting tattoos in my body? Yeah. Well, actually, I didn't have a lot of tattoos for a real long time. I didn't have any tattoos on my arms. Um, I had just a couple of those tattoos on my shoulder. So me personally, I don't think that helped to train me to be as an artist as much, you know, getting tattooed didn't help me as much because I wasn't that, sorry, I wasn't that tattooed. I was more doing the tattoos mm -hmm. and not getting them. So for me, that tattooing, getting tattooed process started coming a little bit later in life, you know, and it was, I was probably uh, maybe in my, I had probably been tattooed in 20 years before I got a tattoo on my arm, you know, and it was just, I wasn't, I didn't know what I wanted yet. I wasn't mm -hmm. ready, you know, I hadn't decided. And then I fell in love with uh, different art styles from different places. I uh, love Polynesian work. Mm -hmm. So I, I started getting some of that on my arm and then migrated from that. But I don't know if actually getting tattooed helped me. I know it does help a lot of people. It did help me realize to be gentle, right? <laughs> Take it easy on people and don't overdo it. You know, just mm -hmm. there's no reason for me to try to hurt somebody or to, I try to be as soft as I can and get that done in a nice, gentle way. Mm -hmm. I find that that's super similar for me. I, it, I had been tattooing for quite a while before I started collecting any large pieces. And it's funny how like, there's a little bit of flack that you take for not, and my arms still aren't tattooed. And every now and then people will poke fun that don't know the other yeah. stuff that I have where it's like, oh no, I'm just saving that. Like, I know I'm going to meet the artists that I want to do these, like just, it, it'll happen. Um, yeah. So one, one of the things that I always like to encourage people is it's not a race when it comes to getting tattooed. You know what I mean? It's not a race. And the more patient you are, the more opportunities you're going to have. One of my uh, favorite things to see is the, uh, the, all the punk tattooers that are like, oh, you know, you don't have tattoos. How can you be a tattooer? And you're looking at all the <laughs> shit they got. And you're like, yeah, you yeah. know, they'll get some good stuff. But um, so I don't mean to, to interrupt, but uh, Carrie, I don't know. We didn't talk about a hard out or, or not, but um, maybe do, do you want to, along this topic, do you want to chat a little bit about um, what you're tattooing these days or, and where your style's uh, settled into with your, with your current clientele? And if people can get tattooed by you, maybe, you know, what, what kind of clients sure. you might be seeking? Yeah, so I'm still pretty open, although in recent years, um, 
it kind of started just before the exhibition at the Natural History Museum. And I got to do a couple large body octopuses and I just fell in love with doing octopuses. So that's really grown for me. I, I probably tattoo at least a few days a week and do octopus and I still love them. Uh, doing most of those in black and gray right now, I'll do some of those in color, but predominantly I'm doing uh, black and gray realism, but I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to call myself hyper realist because I don't believe that, right? I don't feel that I'm anywhere near that. I feel I'm kind of an illustrative version of realism in some way, you know, because I, it kind of comes from just me. So it's basically my version, whatever comes out of me at the time. And it's very hard because sometimes clients want this, you know, but I don't want to do just a copy of that. I kind of want to do my own version of things and uh, put it together. But I love doing uh, sea life and uh, black and gray realism in some way, but mostly octopus, sea life, tons of that. You can see that on my Instagram page for sure. Um, I am still tattooing. I tattoo four days a week, generally, most of the time. And I don't do this book close thing. So I've never been able to ignore my emails. I can't do it. I just can't let them build up like that. So I check my emails five, six days a week. So I'm constantly going through. And if I can't do it, I'm referring it to somebody else. And uh, because of that, I end up booking myself out very far and getting a little bit stressed on that. But I'm, I'm usually booked out, you know, maybe somewhere between six months to a year, somewhere in there. And so if I get a cancellation, I'm just moving people forward, you know, bring them closer in and uh, I don't really have any end date. And I don't have any, I try to plan in my times off, you know, around the holidays or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, still love tattooing and still doing it quite a bit. Awesome. And um, are you planning on going to any conventions? I mean, I, I remember when we when we set some of these topics, it was uh, early December and it was like, let's talk about conventions and what's happening next year. Yeah. And then uh, since then, of course, the, the you know, it's funny. I, did, I looked at the news the last couple of days. I didn't see anything about the, the like that hockey stick thing that's going on with all the, the hospitalizations. Um, anyways, are you planning on traveling or how, what's what's uh, what, what's the next year? Or I guess it's this year uh looking like for you yeah so personally with conventions i haven't tattooed in at a convention in quite some time um i spent most of my convention times uh you know i like to go to the conventions but if i go i was generally judging mm -hmm. i used to go to uh, mondial mm -hmm. do tatouage in paris france uh every year and then when, when our pandemic hit, of course, that uh, ceased at that time. And at this time, we're still waiting to see if that's going to come back. Um, are they going to be able to do it? So I don't have any convention plans in my future right now. Um, I don't. And I don't have any plans to travel tattoo-wise. I'm sure it will come soon. You know, I just haven't scheduled that in at this point still kind of waiting to see who's going to do what I think that's just starting to touch and I know we we've had a local convention I think it was fairly quiet uh, mm -hmm. I think people are still a bit nervous you know um, I think it's a seasonal thing you know yeah. uh, I think when it warms up a little bit 
people will be going more to the conventions and getting out there and being not so worried about, am I going to, you know, catch the flu or COVID or, you know, get myself sick. So I think that that is turning around and I hope that the conventions come back soon. A lot of fun just getting everybody, uh, you know, together and, you know, to your point earlier, like as fun as all the computer stuff is and we could actually connect with each other like this and with all the other people watching, uh, you know, when everyone gets together in person, we could actually have interactions the way, like, you know, nature intended. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun again. So um, do you have any uh, uh, closing uh, thoughts or is there any, um, I know we didn't hit all of our topics, but I want to be uh, aware of your time. Um, we do also, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put in a good word. We have uh, an apprentice hopeful, uh, Kyle, who's been doing some interviews. Uh, we call him Bridging the Gap. So it's like the the younger generation and the older generation. I, don't, I think the, more, the most experienced generation. And um, so I don't know, maybe maybe if, uh, if you have some time in the next month or two, uh, we, could, we could pick up the rest of those questions. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I love doing these. And, you know, it gives me a chance to, I know there's not always somebody new on the other side, but here and there, people will reach out to me afterwards and I get to talk a little bit with different people who have different questions or things they want to share about the industry. And I think it's fantastic. And I would, I would love to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. well, hey, thanks. Welcome back, Lauren. Uh, I guess uh, I'll, yeah, I'll bow out for, I'll watching bow out for the and final listening. Uh, thoughts. And... Awesome. Fun. It was great to hear from you as well. Fun. And I enjoy yeah, your, thanks. your show. Too, I'm going to and... jump off and let you guys, I'm going to jump off and let you guys wrap up. Uh, I got to get scooting but thanks thanks for letting it's me join nice the conversation to meet it was awesome to meet you carrie and gabe and lauren i will talk to you guys soon see you soon awesome well thank you so much again for joining um i've thoroughly enjoyed listening and just kind of taking it all in and having the opportunity to do so is incredible i know that it's it's different and we've all adapted to how we communicate and i think yeah. i mean it can be pretty great so again, um, if you'd like to close out and tell everybody where they can find you, how to contact you and all that, we would love to hear. Absolutely. So again, my name is Carrie Barba and I am here in Long Beach, California at Outer Limits Tattoo. And please look for us also with the upcoming opening of the Tattoo Heritage Project Museum. Uh, we look forward to that, working with Charlie Cartwright and the other board members and building some history, some growth, and some knowledge for our future. So let's, uh, let's do that. Let's take what we learned and make it better. Awesome. Take what we learned and make it better. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's amazing. And I, um, yeah, well, I, I can't, again, I can't quite thank you enough. So I don't know how much longer I could sit here and thank you. So um, I just want to encourage everybody. It's <laughs> good to see you both. Uh, 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 yeah, check out the, the Heritage Tattoo Foundation. Uh, Lidos is in the, uh, in the chat room. He says hello. And uh, he sent some <laughs> pictures of uh, Florida way back in the day, back when, and he was young too. It's funny. But um, in any event, uh, thanks again, everybody. Uh, please share this about if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, again, the, the positive reviews go in the public spots. Uh, we love criticism. Feel free to uh, email uh, management at reinventingthetattoo.com uh, straight away. Anyways, Great. cheers. Thanks Great. again. And we'll, uh, Thank we'll talk you. in the future. Thank you both.